everyone. I'm Alexa. And I'm Catherine. And we're the girls behind Tickets, Please. And on today's episode, we're talking about our favorite baseball movies. With restarting, it was going to disconnect the Bluetooth. So I'm like, I, you know, I don't want to let me just turn them off so nobody gets confused. <laughs> and so I restarted, my laptop came back on, couldn't get my headphones to turn back on. That's never happened with these headphones ever. They've always worked. I've had them for like three years. Flawlessly, they've worked. Couldn't get them back on. Alexa, I had a whole... It was the Bluetooth for how many weeks? And for then I finally got that strategy, the steps, yeah. the delicate balance of the, I got it. I've got it. And the second I got that down, the microphone was like, <laughs> the microphone is truly baffling to me because it's plugged into your computer. It's not wireless. This computer sucks a huge I've had Apple, I've been using Apple products for, for 20 years. This has never happened to me with any Apple, any phone, laptop, anything I've ever had from Apple. What blows my mind is that is such basic technology. It's not even like new <laughs> cutting edge features that you're using, like the, <laughs> connecting something to Bluetooth. How long have we had that technology? And it's not exclusive right. to Apple, like every... And- and like you said, the yeah. mic is connected by a fucking wire. It's hardwired to the fucking computer. Fucking DSL lines can connect to a computer and, <laughs> and it works. Are you kidding me? I don't understand it. And like, I love how simply turning it off and turning it back on magically makes it fun. Why? I also can't airdrop anything. And when I'm doing stuff for our Instagram all I'm doing is airdropping back and forth between my computer and my phone. The whole time, like that's how I'm transferring the files is you airdropping can't back and forth. Airdrop something to your laptop? No, I can't airdrop to or from my laptop unless I restart there, it. There has to be something actually malfunctioning with that because that yes. it clear there has to there has to be something wrong like that chip or whatever it is inside the computer that makes it connect to things is gotta be malfunctioning. Apple prides itself on its like connectivity between its products. Well, like, the fact that you can't airdrop between your laptop and anything else is bad. Apple by Apple phone. Yeah. Apple has a hard on for airdrop. They're like, do you want to airdrop to this person 50 miles away? Like in their <laughs> basement? They're- God forbid you're on an airplane. Oh my God. They're obsessed. They, they pick up the, the, fr- <laughs> The, some, the second someone walks into your radius, they're like, do you want to airdrop to this person? It's like, no, get away from me. They're like, do you want to airdrop to this speaker that this person owned 12 years ago that they actually <laughs> sold in a garage sale? Someone bought, moved to Tahiti and then broke. <laughs> and then your computer four inches away from your phone can't airdrop. I, 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 a brand new computer. Like it's not a 10 year old laptop. Honestly, at this point, I blame myself because I really should have called Apple. Touching me, touching you, sweet Caroline. Good times never seem so good. This was harder than I thought it was going to be. I agree. Because I got to tell you, I watched a couple that I haven't seen before. And 
few that I was not impressed. Same. Tell me which ones you watched. Particularly Bull Durham. Oh, does, that, does anybody my know God. what is the reason that that movie is is held to an esteem of the Godfather? I mean, it is number one and two on every sports movie list. Does uh, okay. anybody know why? Uh, I, first off, I never knew that Susan Sarandon was in it. I knew that. That's all I knew about it. And so when it started, I was like, oh, hell yes. And she's hot I was as so hell. excited. She is. It was, I'm sorry. I thought it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's really bad. It doesn't have really a, a plot of any kind, really. it's. It wasn't funny. It's supposed to be a comedy. It was not no, funny. No, not funny. It's it's barely about sports, if I could say that. I think, I mean, other than it taking place around a sports team, we don't, there's no investment on the game level, really. You don't care about them winning or losing or any investment in the team. Nor do you care about the relationship aspect Not at There's all. nothing to care about. Tim Robbins' character is a hollow, empty shell of nothing. They gave him no characteristics whatsoever. He's just like a walking sex machine. I I, 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 <laughs> I looked it up because it clicked in my head. Like, I bet you this was where Tim and Susan met. Mm-hmm. So I Googled it to see. Because, you know, they were together for, yeah, I don't know how long. Was that mm-hmm. 25 years? Yeah, a long time. Or something? So I Googled it to see, and it was, that's where they met. Oh, okay. So I was like, we're in for some chemistry here. Like we're yeah. going to see the experience that yeah. brought them together for decades. Yeah. No chemistry at all. I don't know. It, it almost was as if I could feel it trying to be so scandalous as like this sex movie, like the whole end sequence where she's gets finally gets together with Kevin Costner and that they have a sex capade for a week or whatever a day, a night, whatever it is. I'm like, is this, what am I watching? What is this? Why am I it, supposed to The care? whole thing was really weird. Really weird. And I was expecting a really good movie. It makes the top of every sports movie. Forget baseball. Sports movie in general. It's like one and two. I need, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has, from the critics, 97%. What? Catherine, I feel like we watched the wrong movie or something. <laughs> what the hell? A ni- And that's all I knew about it. That it was like this highly acclaimed movie. Wait, listen to this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Kevin Costner, critics consensus. Kevin Costner is at his funniest and most charismatic in Bull Durham, a film that's as wise about relationships as it is about minor league baseball. I don't think Kevin Costner has ever been less funny or charismatic. And what? It's not wise about relationships or baseball. It barely touches baseball. The The big takeaway of baseball is that you can't have sex while pitching. Otherwise, you'll ruin. They talk about superstition more than they talk about baseball. And wearing a garter belt helped him become a good pitcher. Right. Or did yeah. I misunderstand? Yes. Or that? that was her like Juju was like she thinks that that is supposed to give good vibes or something while you're pitching. I don't know. The fact that just the whole conceit that she is this woman who lives in this town and is in love with the baseball team and selects a a, a man from each season to sleep with and nurture, I guess. I, I, I It's what is a critic write about it? OK, here's something crazy. This particular critic does not like Kevin Costner and says, 
Bull Durham is one of the very few films to actually illustrate that Kevin Costner has a pulse. I will say I dislike Kevin Costner. I think he is very non-believable as his characters. I didn't find that with this, but there were so many other problems that I didn't really care. I mean, he was, but I didn't think he was the problem. I didn't think he was so bad, but this Critic says many baseball fans consider this as a consummate baseball film. I do tend to consider it more a baseball than a romantic film, though it balances the two nicely. It does. Writer-director Ron Shelton clearly knows what he's doing here and puts together a wonderful script with priceless anecdotes and speeches. I need someone. Shelton received an Oscar nomination for the screenplay. I need someone to explain this to me. It it won Best Original Screenplay from the Writers Guild of America. What the? F- Susan Sarandon was nominated by the American Comedy Awards, and she was nominated for a Golden Globe. Well, moving right along. Okay. What else did you watch? I'm sorry to tell you this, but I watched half of Field of Dreams. Okay. I have a lot to say about this. This made my list, but here's my thing about it. It's not a baseball movie. It's not even a sports movie. It's, I don't know if I was just in a weird place when I saw it, but for some reason it hit, it hit me in a weird way. Did did it hit you in the second half that I didn't watch? No, it was like, I don't know. It was, what part did you get up to? He was traveling around with the author. Okay. So you got to, the and part. then his wife, he was like on the phone with his wife and she said they were taking the farm. I didn't intend to stop watching it. I paused it to go do something else. And I never. rented it and I paused it to go do something else. And the rental ran out. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. I think that the concept of fate and higher like spirits and that con the thing that kind of runs through the whole movie that he was chosen to do these things to like reunite these people in an afterlife of some kind. I believe in that stuff. And it did a nice job of showing what that might feel like for a person to experience. I thought, and when they talk about one, the part that really got me where I thought, okay, I understand what this movie is doing because at first I couldn't figure out what was going on or why it had been this field of dreams. Everyone's talking about field of dreams. The part I really liked was when he's talking to his wife about needing to go to Boston and she tells him that she had the same dream as him. I think something's going to happen to the game. I don't know what, but there's something at Fenway Park and I got to be there with Terrence Mann to find it out. Is Fenway the one... With the big green wall in left field? Yeah. I dreamt last night you were at Fenway with Terrence Mann. Was I sitting on the first base side? Yes. About halfway up on the aisle? Yeah, you were keeping score and eating I was eating a hot, hot dog. dog. I had the same dream. <sighs> I'll help you pack. I've experienced weird stuff like that and cosmic things. And so it was cool to see it in a movie, despite how cheesy it was. I believe in all those things too. And I'm really, really interested in them. And for whatever reason, I could not even remotely get there with this. I did. I was on board. I think that it's, that's kind of key to it. I think if you, cause it seems like there's a, it's a polarizing movie. I've seen it like referenced in other things, like TV shows of people either finding it to be ridiculous and stupid or 
very good and touching. And I found it touching. There's a scene at the end where he, his, he sees his father in a baseball uniform and he has a catch with him at the end because he never, he regrets never having done that because he cut him out of his life. And then he never got to say goodbye to him. I don't know. It just, it touched me for some silly reason, even though it was, it was ridiculous, but something about it just was moving to me. And even that the brother-in-law can't see them. And by the end, he does. He does see them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, and and I liked the, I thought it was funny when he goes to see James Earl Jones. And and at first he's this grumpy man. And then he ends up seeing, some, did you get to the part where they actually go to the game or he's just. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got past that. Okay. So when he sees the the sign for the next thing and, and the first doesn't want to, and then goes and needs to be invested. And he ends up back at the field and he actually goes to see what's beyond the cornfield with the team. And uh, I actually, I don't know why I started saying this sentence because I don't remember what happens after that. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't remember if he comes back or not, but Kevin Costner gets very upset that he's not chosen to go. And, and Ray Liotta has to tell him that he is not ready to see it yet because he has to wait there for his dad. All of this sounds really great in theory. I I don't know. There's actually a joke in How I Met Your Mother where Ted is talking about Field of Dreams with Barney and Marshall and Robin talks about how stupid it is. She's like, I mean, you wouldn't watch the same movie over and over again, would you? Maybe a great movie like Die Hard, but Field of Dreams, once is more than enough. That's your go-to bad movie? The number one example on the tip of your tongue of a bad movie is Field of Dreams? It's about ghost baseball players. I think it's stupid. And that seems to be the joke people make when the movie comes up. Because, in fact, I was watching Gossip Girl and uh, Dan says something to Chuck about him not not feeling anything after watching Field of Dreams. Chuck, you felt nothing after Field of Dreams, so I'm taking it to the next level. If that movie can't make you feel, then maybe this little guy can. But I was bummed I had to put it on my list for lack of other content because it's not a sport. I don't find it to be a baseball or a sports movie, really. Well, then you're going to be disappointed with some of my choices. (laughs) What's one of yours? Um, I'll say the one that's most not a sports movie, okay. not a baseball movie is fever pitch. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm no complaints here. I'm a big stand for fever pitch. Okay. I wouldn't, I love fever. It's a baseball movie. So it much is. of it hinges on also it. so ridiculous that of all teams, it's a Red Sox movie, Yeah, yeah. but I just love it. And it does give me more than any other sport because I, was raised on baseball and it was like my thing with my dad. Mm -hmm. We went to many games together. We watched tons of games together. He taught me pretty much everything I know about baseball. And so there are a lot of memories and like a lot of um, different emotions that I feel around, not just the game, but all the like adjacent aspects of the game and fever pitch gives me that feeling a lot. You're a hundred percent right. Because what just clicked for me is that fever pitch is a sports movie in that it's about a sports fan 
instead of a sports team. It's not about the people playing, but it's about people who love sports. And it does capture that well. Because even when they're in, just even stuff that's not actually centered around the games or the Red Sox, even when they're just in the city, you can tell it's baseball season. And when they go to dinner and he hears the game on the radio and everyone's talking about it. And then when they show all the celebrations for when they win and he doesn't go to the game, that that's a feeling, such a familiar feeling. And it's totally what it really does feel like. I love the camaraderie and sort of friendship with the people who have owned season tickets all around because I've never experienced that, like the season ticket thing where Mm -hmm. you see the same people, but my family has had a timeshare where we've seen the same people every year since I was a small, small child. Mm -hmm. And so that it's like that same type of feeling where you only see them for a certain period of time, but it's that same period of time every year. And you experience that thing together always. It's, it's cool. I, I love it. That's a good pick. My, uh, my last three are very sportsy. Do you have any other sp- non? Did you just say very sportsy? <laughs> I did it on purpose. They're very <laughs> like through and through. Of course I had to pick the Sandlot because <laughs> how could I not? Yeah. I don't know that there's really like too much to say about it. You just, yeah. it's, it would be a sin to have a list of baseball movies without the Sandlot on it. So tell me your next one. All right. I have, this is a goofy one. Have you ever seen Major League? No, but I, if I hadn't run out of time, I was going to watch it. It's really, it's a comedy. It's, it has Charlie Sheen in it. If that gives you any kind of sense of what the tone is. It's about this, um, this rich uh, daughter of a, a rich man who owns the Cleveland Indians. And she wants to relocate the team to Miami because she doesn't love she doesn't like living in Cleveland and there's a clause where if attendance in the stadium drops below a certain number, they have permission to move the team. So she purposely hires a shitty coach and she makes them uh, form a team of has-beens and people that are retired and old and hurt. And Charlie Sheen is a con uh, he's in jail when they call him to be on the team. So it's like a misfit thing. And she's hopeful, hoping that they suck so bad. People just stop coming. But then of course, you know, the coach finds out, he tells the team, they're like, we're going to have to win now. And then they do. (laughs) (laughs) And it's cute and it's funny. And there's cute little romances on the side. There's drama with the players. There's a couple guys that are good. Charlie Sheen is a really good pitcher, but it turns out he's, he throws really well and it's fast, but he has no control. And it turns out it's because he can't see. So they have to get him glasses. And then he, <laughs> he has a wild thing is his song. So when they play it, he comes. It's, it's so funny and cheesy and cute. I, I like it. Fucking 
Another one that I tried watching because it's a real classic mm-hmm. was The Natural. So my dad told me to watch it and I ran out of time. I didn't fin- I, really see that. I, was- I couldn't get, I watched the first 20 minutes and I was like, I can't, I, it's unbearable. Seriously. My dad told me to watch it because he remembered, he told me that he's not a sports movie fan, which is what. I don't, I have to There's go deeper what? on that. I have to, uh, many of them he hadn't seen. And he said the ones he had seen were non-impressive to him. He did cite what his favorite one was, but it's not a baseball one. So I'll have to save it for a different episode. But he said the natural was one that stood out in his head to watch because he remembers really liking it. And I was going to, and then ran out of time, but. Well, I'm sure it's very good again, probably a me thing, but I could not. I couldn't. It takes place in like the 30s. Yeah, well, it's Robert Redford. I have no. Robert, I look at Robert Redford and I'm instantly bored. Instantly. (laughs) I can be be on the most thrilling ride of life and see Robert Redford and suddenly I feel like a pancake. I'm going to give it a shot someday, but. Well. Good Your glowing you. recommendation doesn't make me <laughs> want to run and see it. <laughs> so a baseball movie that I watched and loved was Moneyball. That's on my, I love Moneyball. Listen, <laughs> my Jonah Hill standship has already been building but this put me over the edge, baby. Movie is good. Uh, I literally love Jonah Hill. Did it make you love Brad Pitt anymore? I know you where I'm on we're on an emotional journey to get you there. Well, the thing is, I feel like I've said this before, but maybe I haven't been clear. I love Brad Pitt. I've never not loved Brad Pitt. Love watching him, love pretty much everything he's in. He's just not a great actor. <laughs> Oh, right. I get, I get it. So (laughs) I guess, yeah, I loved him. I guess what trips me up is I can't understand how you could think he's not a good actor, but still like watching him. I, to me, the two are synonymous. So I, I I always ask because I know that you don't think he's a good actor, but to me, how could someone like watching him in movies if they don't think he's a good actor? (laughs) He's a great actor. And I think he's wonderful in Moneyball. He takes the eating to a level that is absolutely out of control, though. <laughs> His eating in Moneyball is four, easily four times the amount as in all of the Oceans movies. I'm so used to it now that I barely even recognize I've it. I only noticed it on my most recent watching of it. <laughs> I did an enormous amount of Googling while I watched Moneyball. You did? Yeah. Because you wanted to see about like it being real or? Yeah, I knew it was real, yeah. but I... I was so impressed and excited that he stayed with the team. Last Christmas, we watched this movie at my mom's house with my mom, my brother, my uncle, and my grandma. And it was my uncle and my brother's first time seeing it. And when we were watching it, um, when he goes to see Chris Pratt's character, the one who hurt his shoulder, um, my uncle knew the player. He knew him. He remembered his career and, and knew his name, knew who he played for, what happened, blah, blah, blah. And does this baffle you the way it baffles me that, I mean, particularly men, but I'm sh- there are women that do it, n- seem 
to know the names and years and teams of players for decades and de- I don't understand how a person can even know all that information. This random guy from a team my uncle doesn't even follow or like, he knew all about him and the years he played and the teams he was on and all this stuff. I blows my mind. My dad did it recently. We were watching, I was watching survivor and this ex hockey player was on the, was on the season of survivor. My dad said he recognized him and I told him his name and he listed the years he played the team he was on i'm like this is how i i actually think about that a lot um because i i'm very impressed by it and i don't know how people do it i cannot i am so impressed and it seems like and it's even i mean obviously my uncle and my dad are not this type of person but i've even met people where they'll know that stuff but then there's a litany of other things they have no perception about it all. Like, it's not as if these people are just inclined to knowing a lot of information. It's that they just know the freaking 30 people that were on the 1982 White Sox, like even Field of Dreams. And all of their stats. Yes. And even Field of Dreams. When I was watching that, my dad had never seen it, but he's like, oh, that's about the the White Sox thing. They talk about the scandal where they sold, they bribed the players and then they got caught and through the world. He, he knew that. He knew what it was called. He knew the players' names, when it happened, who they were playing against. The, the, I... <laughs> the only team I can even remotely do that for is the Yankees. And even then I know not even one tenth of what. Yeah. Me like, too. Many I of know, the people I, like that. Now, the only thing I know about the, 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 the best I can do about the Yankees is specifically like the 2002 to 2008 <laughs> Yankees. That's my sweet spot of, I knew everybody numbers, what position they played, all that stuff. Other than that, I don't remember any of it. My off the cuff theory is it's social currency with mm. boys and men mm. knowing stats and, and yeah. facts about sports. Yeah. But like I'm was watching Moneyball. My uncle's telling me this one did this and, and he played for this guy and his son was this. And I'm like, about the freaking what team is that about the a- Oakland days? Like, <laughs> why, why do you know that? what I like about Moneyball is that it takes it almost a step further where not only does the team have to come together in order to win when they haven't been winning, but there's an added layer of they're doing it in such an unconventional way that even the other people involved are against it. And there's so much resistance. So there's not only the resistance of, the team just having to be good enough to play against other teams, but there's this resistance of no one understands what they're doing. So they have to just power through until eventually they get the results where they'll prove everybody wrong. He can't throw. He can't throw and he can't field, but what can he do? Oh boy. Guys, check your reports or I'm going to point at Pete. He can get on base. So he walks a lot. He gets on base a lot. Rocco, do I care if it's a walk or a hit? Pete? You do not. I do not. It's cool because so much of what makes sports exciting is like the risk versus reward. Yeah. 
And this is like that on steroids. And it's interesting because some people, it had the potential to, as a lot of people that are in the movie feel that it's taking baseball and making it into math and science when there's something about baseball that's almost magical, but it doesn't actually do that. It doesn't make you feel like they've somehow figured out the ones and zeros of baseball in order to make them a good team. It still holds the same exhilaration and, and succeeding that they do. It doesn't cheapen it for me when I watch it. I'm not thinking, Oh, they've like figured out how to scam baseball because I know there's something else that has to be there. Exactly. And when they finally turn it around, it still feels like magic. Yes. It's weird that the pull behind the curtain doesn't, ruin it it just makes it more exciting do you only have one left yeah the the one left (laughs) we know that it's the same one yeah I remember the first time I saw a league of their own I was in a middle school health class for some reason of course when you're watching a movie in school you don't watch it in one period you got to watch it in you know, 45 minute chunks for the period ending. I was devastated that I had to wait until the following day to watch the remaining. I could not wait. I wanted to watch the rest of it that second. It was like a torturous way to watch a movie like this. Do you think that it is one of the best movies of all time? Yes. I think it's in my, if I, I say this all the time, so it sounds like it cheapens it, but it really would make a list of top 10. It has to be in the top 10 of my all-time favorite movies. I think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. I would say it's definitely in the top three of my most referenced, too. Yes. Most quoted and most referenced. Do you know how many times I say there's no crying in baseball? Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Do you know how many times I say stool honey have another chocolate bar? (laughs) You're gonna lose. You're gonna lose. I just realized I need to double check if that's even the exact quote or if I've like changed it over the years. I say, I say there's no crying in baseball to my friend's dog all the time when he whines and he's he's whining and crying. A few years ago, when I was working in event design, Mm -hmm. we were in Indianapolis for a wedding and we rented an Airbnb. So there were probably, I don't know, maybe eight or 10 of us staying in the house and a big handful of us hadn't of the girls hadn't seen a league of their own. So one of the other girls was like, ah, like this is getting corrected tonight. So we all sat and watched it. And I'm telling you the experience of watching so many other people see it for the first time is it was a really special thing. That's amazing. And going like multiple times, Almost all of them were like, this is so good. And we were all like, I know. (laughs) I have a very similar story. Again, we watched this on Christmas one year at my mom's. If you haven't noticed, Christmas is my time to shine at my mom's house because every (laughs) other holiday is usually focused on football and I am tortured. So now it's my turn to turn. You don't like football? No, I can't stand it. No. Okay, we're, we're going to have to get into that in our football episode. Yeah, I don't like football. But Christmas, there's no football. So I get control of the television and I put on, I used to 
do it a little more democratically. We used to, you know, list some movies and and decide, but that was so <laughs> painful. And we and people would just argue with me about not wanting to watch something. So now I've graduated to just starting. I literally just have the remote and I hit play on something and they're like, what are we watching? And that's what it is. Wait, before you go on, I have to say something. It's not that people would argue collectively about what was being watched. It's that people would argue with you. Yes, but about movies. Because you, because you are the boss of bosses. (laughs) Yes, yes, because they, no, because let me reframe that. Because they come to me and say, what's a movie we could, they are asking me They're They want to say, are you the Godfather? Is that, is that yes. what I'm finally, no, they just know I here? watch much more movies than any of them combined. My brother has seen 15 movies in his whole life. My <laughs> uncle, my uncle never watches movies and my mom's the same way. She only watches basically what I tell her to watch. So they're not movie people. And even then barely. Yeah. And even then she'll, she says she doesn't like it. She doesn't like this. Or she'll watch the wrong thing and wonder why Cameron Diaz isn't in it. Exactly. So I'm the the resident expert. They turn to me as the resident expert of (laughs) seeing the most and having good movies. And they always, once I am done with the fighting, they always love them, but there's still another fight next time. So these past couple of years, I would say the past three years, I just start them. I just hit play and they love them every time. We watched Miracle. We watched Moneyball. We watched Chef. We've seen A League of Their Own. I mean, I don't know why I'm listing so many sports movies. I guess it's because I know it's a movie everybody will like. But I we've watched so many good movies. We watched The Dark Knight. Uh, uh, so many good movies none of them have seen. And they just argue and argue and argue about this and that and this and that. And then I play it and they love it. Batter Hear that call, the time has come for one and all to play ball. So Zoom is really trying us today. And right in the middle of Alexa's passionate dissertation, (laughs) we just had to disconnect and reconnect. A long story short, I think I was done with what I was saying, but The reason I was saying it is because this was one that I think everyone but my uncle and my brother had seen. And it was when I was, this was a, this was several years ago. Wait, your uncle had never seen A League of Their Own? I don't believe so. Or if he hadn't, it was so long ago that he had virtually no memory of it. And so this was uh, several years ago. So this was back when I was still fighting with them about what the movie was about, whether or not they wanted to see it. And of course, you know, when you describe the movie, of course, my brother was like, no, that sounds boring, like gross, like ew, women, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, But I just started it and we were 15 minutes in and he was silent through the whole thing and absolutely loved it. Riveted. Yeah. I was like, you don't have to tell me. I tried to tell you guys. That was the first one where I realized I had a breakthrough. I was really trying to cater my movie choices to something I thought he would like more of an, of an immediate interest. And that was my, this was my breakthrough movie where I just decided I'm going to show him a movie that's good and he's going to watch it and he'll realize that it's good. Yeah. Like you tell him (laughs) what he likes. Yeah, exactly. It's what I'm here for. All this to say, it's one of the best movies ever made. 
I love the choice to frame it as a flashback of them all reuniting when they're older and that it's all them remembering in theory or really Gina Davis's character remembering. It's such a powerful choice to do that, to start it that way at the beginning and then end it that way at Cooperstown when they open up the the exhibit for them. When they it's so emotional. When they sing the song, I sob every time. Like I need to look up when what year it came out. Do you know off the top of your head? Uh no, I do not. But I have it up on IMDb. Uh 1992. Okay, so I think I saw this in the theater. You did? I'm pretty sure I did. Oh Unless my God. it's a memory that I've created in my own head, which one of my friends will tell you is something I tend to do because <laughs> she's made fun of me for it for years. But I'm almost positive I saw this in the theater and I think it was actually with grandma and my dad. Really? Yeah. Wow. In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say You're I sure, know that sure. that's correct. Yeah. And I remember even I was a kid, a young yeah. kid. And I remember crying over it. I could cry right now. Just I know. About it. I it's... haven't seen it in like five years. I could cry right now. I know you've only seen Sleepless in Seattle once. Mm-hmm. But do you remember that scene where Tom Hanks is sitting at the table with what's his name? His sister's husband, who mm-hmm. was the captain in Titanic, that actor. <laughs> yeah, okay. Who was yeah. also one of the husbands in First Wives Club. And the um, lawyer in Legally Blonde. <laughs> yeah and Mr. they start Andrews. crying they start crying over a sports movie what movie was it it wasn't a league of their own i know that but it I just hit to, me and i need to know what i it have was. to look this up because remember the girls are start talking about the way we were and they start crying and the guys are like oh that's silly that's ridiculous but then they start talking about a movie and then they start crying did you find it i found the scene oh no it was a war movie oh what movie the Dirty Dozen. <laughs> Although I cried at the end of The Dirty Dozen. Well, who did Because Jim Brown was throwing these hand grenades down these air, air shafts. And Richard Jekyll and Lee Marvin were sitting on top of this armored oh. personnel carrier that dressed up like Nazis. And oh, my Trini Damn it. That would have been so cool <laughs> if it was a sports movie. <laughs> I know. Wait, what were we just saying? Because I thought there was something else I wanted to say. No, I don't remember. Oh, I remember. This is one of the best portrayals of a sibling relationship that I've ever seen. Because they fight and bicker so much. And it feels almost unrealistic, but it's not. It's exactly what it's like. But their fights, except for at the end, rarely get to a level that they really just cannot see stand to be around each other anymore. But it's constant battle of dealing with your sibling in some way or another. And it always leads to them fighting and arguing and bickering. But they love each other underneath, except for when it comes to the end. And I mean, they still obviously love each other, but then they, of course, have that rift that goes on presumably for years and years. And it's just because for some reason, Kit reaches this level of disdain for her sister that she can't overcome. But it just, I'm thinking about in the beginning when they, when she just, like in the beginning when Dottie is trying to tell her about, give her advice on, on hitting and she just won't take it. And she tells her that she's just trying to help her, but she just can't listen to her because it's coming from Dottie. If anyone else told her to do it, she might do it. But because Dottie's the one saying it, she can't listen. Look, sis, she's getting everybody out high. Don't swing at that pitch, okay? I can hit it. You can't. I can't. This bat's too heavy. You're never going to get it around. I will. 
There's a big hole on the right side. Okay, don't look. Well, if she pitches inside, you're going to have to pull it, okay? I know. Cut her up. No high ones. I like the high ones. Mule. Ned. It's just so real of what it actually feels like to fight with your sibling. It really is. But at the same time, when, you know, when Kit wants to go and they want Dottie and they won't take Kit without Dottie, Dottie goes for Kit. And and just the way Kit goes to her and she's like, come on, Dottie, you the whole rest of your life to hang around here. Never go anywhere, never do anything. Look, I'm married. I'm happy. It's what I want. Let's not confuse things. Okay. But can't you just have this first? Just so you can say you once did something? Something special? Huh? Please, Dottie. I gotta get out of here. Nothing here. It's a different version of Kit that we hadn't seen yet. We've only seen her be stubborn, but in this case, she's asking Dottie to do something for her, and Dottie, of course, does it. And it's really real. I think it's what makes the movie is seeing their their relationship and how, and then of course, all of the the I can hear the music that's playing over the montage of them getting better. I can't get enough. It is pure adrenaline here thinking about what it's like to watch that. It's when they decide that they have to make it more entertaining and that they are sliding and the bruises and they're lifting their skirts and catching things in their hat. It's just so good. I think that does it for baseball movies. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a couple people who you think might like it. And if you would leave us a review on iTunes, it really does help us grow. Till next time. Bye. It's up to you.